Hi, everybody. My name is Carlene Wagner. My husband, Chris, and I used to lead a community group over in the west side. And then we merged with a bunch of other community groups and now have a super awesome one. So you guys should come check us out sometime. If not, come see me after service. I would love to say hello. The passage today is 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 10. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for this time that we can come and learn about your word. I pray you would bless Zach as he presents it. I pray that you would give us attentive ears and receptive hearts to what you have to speak to each one of us. I love you, Jesus, and I pray all this in your name. Amen. 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 Good morning, good morning. Um, my name's Zach. I am a, a community group leader here at PBC, along with just other random stuff that I do to help Tim out. Uh, Pastor Tim is taking a break this week. Um, I think it might be the first Sunday that he's missed other than the week Tanavi was born. So um, he's just taking a break to, uh, to re rest and recharge and uh, prepare for the fall and be praying about what God has for PBC. So I encourage you guys this week to be praying for Pastor Tim and Jaya as they're uh, just trying to recharge and be ready to be able to come in and serve us well and lead us uh, as we enter into the fall. Um, if you're just kind of getting uh, with us here, joining with us here, we're going through the book of uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. Uh, it's a it's a epistle, it's a letter written by Paul to the church in Thessalonica, hence Thessalonians. Uh, it's a Thessalonians, Thessalonica, this is a terrible word to have to preach. Thessalonica is a uh, city that was very prominent in the trade routes. It's kind of in between like Greece and Turkey is where it kind of meets up at. So there's lots of trade going through the city. It's a very prominent city. It was a really large city. It's about 100,000 people in this in the city, which is large for the time. Um, it was predominantly a pagan city where the uh, kind of overarching cultural religion was uh, committed to the Greco-Roman pantheon and then also uh, worship of uh, the imperial cult, so worshiping Caesar. Um, and we know from Acts 17 that Paul, Timothy, and Silas uh, actually planted the Thessalonian, Thessalonian church and then were basically run out of town three weeks later um, by uh, a, a Jewish population who rejected Jesus as, as the Messiah, kind of stirred up the city uh, to uh, chase these guys out of town. And so Paul later writes this letter back to the church uh, after receiving a, uh, a generally good report from Timothy, who he had sent back. We're going to hear a little bit about that today in the passage as we uh, read. Um, so today, as we're going through this passage, we're going to kind of see the concern and the encouragement 
that Paul is giving to these people, we're going to see a, a great example of gospel relationship today, and that's what we're going to be talking about and examining, is what does gospel relationships look like? Um, how do we build relationships that are, that are gospel-centered? It's, it's something we like to maybe use that term a lot, but maybe don't have a whole grasp of idea of what that means. So we're going to talk about that this week. So uh, going to the passage here, verses 1 and 2, says, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith. And so there's that first word there, therefore, that if you go back to right before it, it talks about how Paul's been unable to come back to Thessalonica. He's had a desire to come and visit this church, be back, kind of see how things are going because of the short period of time that he had with them to kind of disciple them, lead people uh, to Jesus. And he's now uh, desiring to go back and kind of check in on them, but he's been unable to. And so he says here, he just gets to a point where he can't take it anymore. For whatever reason, he says that, that Satan's hindering him from coming to, to Thessalonica, so he sends Timothy. He sends a, a member of his missionary team to go check on these people. Um, and so the kind of the first thing we need to think about when we think about gospel relationships is that gospel relationships are sacrificial. Timothy was a key member of Paul's missionary team. He was one of, uh, one of two guys with Silas that he traveled with, um, there's actually two epistles later written to Timothy. Timothy becomes the pastor of the church in Ephesians, or in Ephesus. And um, Paul doesn't just send a messenger here. He doesn't write a letter and send a letter saying, hey, how are things going? He sends a key part of his missionary team. So for us, what that may look like today, it's easy to kind of do the, the easy route when we're building relationships, especially now it's even easier. I mean, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have uh, you know, text messages, things like that. That's the kind of easy way to send out things. Paul didn't, you know, send a tweet to the church in Thessalonica saying, like, hey, how are things going? Great, 140 characters, pound it out, and be like, good, I did my job. I'm caring for those people well. Um, for us, it's easy to get into doing that. We feel like maybe we're connected to a lot of people because of the ability we have with social media and just the ease of communication we have uh, in our culture today. But what we need to realize is that to foster truly biblical, gospel-centered relationships, we need to... Uh, it needs to cost something. It needs to, to actually take some effort from you. Sending a tweet to someone, sending a text even to someone, I mean, that's, that's good. It's, it, you should even connect with people that way. But that's not something that's going to foster deep, long-lasting relationships. It needs to find ways to be sacrificial. For, that, for you, that may mean taking time out of a day to actually go meet with someone over coffee. It may mean, in some cases, you know, actually even just picking up the phone and talking to people. I mean, we don't even like doing that anymore. Vo you know, just voice-to-voice -voice with people is something that seems so foreign to us now. Like, you mean I have to actually use my words? I can't just text? Um, it's important for this to happen. Um, you know, I have, I, I have something like this happen this past week for me. I have someone who's been a mentor in my life who's been uh, a former pastor of mine who this past week heard some things that were going on um, and picked up the phone and called me. He could have easily texted me and said, hey, how are things going, and just left it at that, but he called me and said, hey, man, you know, I heard some stuff. You know, I just want to know how you're doing. I, I want to, you know, know how, how the church is doing. He knows, you know, our story of uh, at PBC. He's praying for us, praying for me, and that meant a whole lot more than the text message. The text message may have done the same thing as far as just saying, hey, you know, thinking of you, and I'm like, great, but being able to talk it out with this uh with this friend of mine and actually having them take time out of their day, because they have a very busy day as well, to speak to me, 
meant more to me. I realized that this is someone who's sacrificing something for, for, for him to pour into my life, to, to touch base with me. Um, the other thing we notice with uh, Timothy here is that Timothy goes to establish and exhort the church in their faith. So that's the mission of Timothy. Timothy's not there to spy for Paul. He's not there to berate. He's not there to chastise the church. He's there to establish and exhort. Uh, he's there to strengthen the church's faith. Sometimes I think we take on this role sometimes when we have relationships where we look at someone that we feel like it's like our job to be God's mouthpiece. That might be how we try to rationalize it. That's not, that's not a way to build a healthy, strong relationship. There are those times where you do need to speak truth into people's lives. You need to call sin what it is. But our goal in relationships is not to prove to everyone else how right we are and how they need to think the way we think. Our goal in relationships should be to establish and exhort and see that person's faith grow and flourish. See them become more in love with Jesus. See them become more apt to share the gospel with other people. So when we think about building relationships with people, if you're constantly getting in contact with people to tell them what they're doing wrong, even if it is true and it's sin and what they're, what they're dealing with is sin, it's not building a gospel-centered relationship. Our job is not to be a spy. Our job is not to be someone who's coming to you know, slap people on the wrist for what they're doing wrong. Our job is to encourage and exhort people to pursue Jesus. Moving on, verse 3, it says that no one may that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. So apparently, whatever opposition and affliction the church faced with Paul and Timothy there that chased them out of, of town didn't end when they left. And it sounds like the church is even surprised at how long the affliction has lasted. And so Paul's reminding them, I told you this was going to happen. Don't be surprised by these afflictions. Um, the Christian life will encounter affliction. Sometimes I think we're surprised, maybe not even at the fact that we experience affliction, but that we are surprised sometimes at how deep and how long affliction can be. I think for some of us, we get past the idea that, okay, you come to Jesus and everything's going to be better and realize, okay, that's not it. But it just means that we're going to get little trials and tribulations along the way to kind of help sanctify us. We're not going to face, like, really tough situations. We're going to face, you know, these really difficult, deep, and long-lasting affliction. That's not going to happen. We kind of think it's going to be little minor things that should end. And when they don't, we find ourselves very confused and maybe feeling a little bit abandoned by God. I mean, I know, for me, that's something I, I, I dealt with this week, even, of as I was reading this passage and thinking through this and going... Yeah, I didn't expect the kind of season that I'm in right now and some of the things that, that um, aren't necessarily uh, affliction in the sense of like persecution, but just trials and a, a, a difficult season for me, a confusing season for me. It's gone a lot longer than I thought it was going to. And I can look back and see times where I'm kind of like, okay, God, like I get it. Like I, I learned something, right? Let's, let's move on. And... Um, you know, when I read this passage, Paul's like, yeah, don't be surprised. And don't be surprised that, that the afflictions that you face are going to be long. And they're going to be serious. There's a, there's a legitimate battle going on um, between, between Jesus and between Satan. And Satan's doing everything he can uh, to not only 
try to keep people from knowing Jesus, but, but even just to make the life of believers more difficult and more miserable, trying to steal our joy. Um, so when we face those trials, when we face affliction, we need to realize that sometimes it may be a short period, sometimes it may be something really deep, something really unexpected, and to not be surprised by that, to not be uh, shocked by that. Paul goes on and says, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. And so Paul talks like, I, hear, I heard about how you were struggling with how long your affliction was lasting. I heard that you were wondering why it was so intense, why it was so long-lasting. And I just got to the point where I couldn't wait any longer. I needed to send something to you to encourage you, to let you know, to make sure that, that, that Satan hasn't tempted you, hasn't drawn you away from the, the gospel, from the faith. And that comes to our another, another thing with our gospel relationships. Gospel relationships are long-suffering. Paul doesn't plant the church in, in Thessalonica, kind of raise up a couple leaders and be like, good luck, see you later, and takes off. He later on continues to keep a relationship with these people and is now walking with them through afflictions and through trials. When we are commanded by Jesus to go and make disciples, it goes beyond that point of decision and baptism. That's, that's, that's the start of making a disciple. That's not the, the end of making a disciple. And so we see this in Paul. We see this why, I mean, why so much of our New Testament is written by Paul. It's letters where Paul is continuing to disciple churches he planted. He's continuing to disciple leaders that he planted. When we engage in gospel relationships, we can't bail out when things get hard. We, we need to stand with people, walk with people through difficult times. We need to, even if we move or we, we change locations, things change in our life, the, the relationships that are gospel-centered are going to continue in that. Um, you know, for me, before we came to uh, uh, the church that Mars Hill, before it became Phoenix Bible Church, for about six months, I led a, a small community group at, at the church I was at before. And um, our decision to come, to, to come here and, and become part of this, this body was, was difficult because of those relationships we had. Um, but those relationships have continued. We still check in with each other. We still see how things are going. We have people who have moved to different parts of the country now. Uh, we have people that go to different churches in the valley now. But we stay connected to each other. We continue to be involved in each other's lives. Um, a bunch of us were able to get together recently and celebrate. We had all had kids since like the last time we had been together. And so we were able to celebrate um, all of our new babies and things like that. Like, but we've also been there with each other through like the difficulties of, uh, you know, of, of having children. For me and Tara, it was a struggle. It took a long time. We um, had to deal with a lot of disappointment, and our, and our old community group stayed with us through that, even when we weren't necessarily part of the church that we began with, because the relationship that we had built was built on the gospel, not on the church that we went to. It was built on something that's far bigger than even just our, our own four walls here, and that's something that we need to think about, that, that when people move away, that when people go to other towns, it doesn't mean the relationship's over. It may change, but if, if it's a gospel-centered relationship and it's something that God has called you and, and brought you together with that, that relationship needs to continue. Paul was able to do that in a far more difficult time where it was to communicate with people and still stayed in relationship with these people and continued on. It's something that we need to pursue and we need to not be so flippant to let relationships kind of fall apart when people move away or when things change. 
Um, there's a good portion of us in here who know someone that is either part of this church before or that has moved away or things like that. We need to think about how can we connect with them, especially if they're part of your community group. You need to, to, to think about when's the last time I've, I've actually reached out to that person, tried to connect with that person, see, seen how they're doing, celebrated the good things that are going on with them, and, and, and sat in the, in the darkness with them, it, things that they're struggling with. And then the other part of that in building discipleship is that sometimes I think we're, as a, uh, a, a church with kind of our theological convictions, we rely so much on the sovereignty of God and salvation that when we see someone make that decision, we kind of go hands off too. That we go, all right, God saved them. We know God saves people and that, that no one will take from God what the people that he's called to himself. Um, and so we just kind of go hands off and we, we stop the discipleship process. And um, I don't think that's what Paul, I mean, clearly that's not what Paul's thinking here. Paul continues to disciple the people that have come to faith. He continues to encourage and exhort them. He writes to uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they might also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I think it's a great verse that brings together the idea of God's ultimate sovereignty over salvation and that God calls people and saves people not because people choose him, but because he chose them and our responsibility as Christians to evangelize and disciple people. Paul knows that the people who are saved are saved because God called them to be saved, but he also knows that he needs to be obedient for those people to hear the gospel, and that it's his responsibility as a Christian to share the gospel. And so for us, when we encounter people who have recently come to faith or are, are questioning and thinking about coming to faith in Jesus and aren't quite sure about it, when they get to that point where, where they do say, like, yeah, like, I, I understand the gospel, I understand that, you know, Jesus is God, that he came to earth, that he lived a sinless life, that he died and rose again for my sins. We can't be like, sweet, and then move on to the next project. That's not going to be helpful. That's not what we're called to do. We need to continue in relationship. We need to continue in making disciples. That's what Jesus commanded us to do. Gospel relationships are long-suffering. They're not quick. They're not short. They're designed to go long-term. Moving on to verse 6. It says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. So Paul's writing in this letter like, I was relieved at what Timothy said. I'm happy to hear the report that Timothy said that, that though you are in affliction, though you are in trials, Timothy brought back a good report. You're keeping the faith. You're continuing to pursue Jesus. And he also hears that the Thessalonians were happy to hear from him. So not only does, it, does Paul have an affection for these people, but the people that he's investing in his life into also have an affection for him. And that's another thing that we should see in gospel-centered relationships is that it yields a mutual affection for each other. If you're trying to invest into someone's life, and you're trying to, to be intentional about it and disciple, and they don't return with affection, you might want to look at what you're doing. You might find that you're not being strengthening and encouraging, but that you're being someone who's reminding them of their failure and telling them what they're missing. True gospel-centered relationships are going to yield mutual affection. People are going to actually like each other. When you're in your community group and you don't like someone, you need to be more intentional about building that relationship because 
you, a relationship focused on the gospel is a relationship that's going to yield affection. It doesn't mean that you're going to like everyone and everything they are about them. Their personality traits are going to maybe annoy you, things like that. That's fine. But ultimately, you have a true affection for them. I can see this in examples I've had. A long time ago, um, I led a junior high Sunday school uh, uh, Bible study on Sunday, which basically consisted of me trying to get like them to focus for 10 minutes on a Bible lesson and then trying not to break all the computers in the room when we play dodgeball later. But in building that relationship, most of those students are in college now and are doing things to serve the church that they're at. Um, and just this week, I, I was able to, to reconnect with, with one of the old students of mine that actually went as a leader to the camp that we used to take him to as a junior hire over the summer. And it just, there was just like this great like affection that I had of seeing that he was leading and he was pursuing Jesus and this kind of joy I saw. And when I reached out to him and talked to him, he had the same response. He was really happy to hear from me. And we hadn't talked to each other for quite a while. He had, he had gone you know, through all of high school and had been working in college and it just popped up and I, I reached out to him. Um, there's a genuine affection when you run into people that you have a gospel-centered relationship around. You should feel that kind of joy. You should be happy to see the people that, that you see on Sundays. Uh, you know, when you see someone walk through the door, you shouldn't be like, and try to avoid them and, and do these things. There should be an affection and a joy because we're all here because of the gospel. We're all here because of Jesus, and you should be just excited simply in that fact that they're here because they love Jesus too, and they're here to worship Jesus with you. That should bring some affection to your, to your relationship. Um, and then... The other part of that is Paul and the other missionaries were not free of their own afflictions when they went to care and worry about the Thessalonians. They were facing their own afflictions. He says it right here, you know, that, that, that the, the report back from, from Thessalonica actually brought some relief from their own distress and their own affliction. Um, you don't have to wait till you're in a good place to be able to care for other people. Um, you don't have to be in a spot where life's going well for you, where you're very... You know, you're practicing the spiritual disciplines and things are going well and you're not struggling with idols in your life and then you're like, okay, now I can go help someone who's struggling with that. Um, I met with a guy yesterday who, when we were talking, <laughs> he had just asked me to meet, didn't tell me what it was about, and I was like, sure, let's meet. And as soon as he started talking, I went, oh, crap. He's hoping for advice on something that I am just in, up to my eyeballs in myself of struggling with what the heck am I going to actually say that's going to be of any use to this guy? But as we continued to talk and dialogue with each other, we were able to return to the gospel and, and see what the gospel said about the situation we were in. And so when that was over, when that discussion was over, it wasn't just one person who walked away from that feeling like they had been encouraged or that they had been um, you know, kind of refocused and that sin was exposed. Both of us did. And so God's even going to use the situations where you feel very ill-equipped, where you feel like you shouldn't be in that situation because you don't have things figured out. That's where God's going to use you as well. You don't have to have a grasp and have this great, perfect Christian life going on because that doesn't exist. You're never going to get to that point. There's always going to be something you struggle with. So don't hesitate and think to yourself, man, I, just, I, need, to, I need to study more. I need to read the Bible more before I share the gospel with people. I need to uh, you know, read all these different systematic theology books before I start answering questions for people. That's not, that, that's all good. You should grow in your knowledge and stuff, but that doesn't, there's not a point where all of a sudden you get qualified to be someone who pours into other people's lives. You're called to do that from the beginning as a Christian. 
Paul continues, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So I kind of touched on this before, but gospel relationships are mutually encouraging. Paul's saying here, like, I don't even know, like, what more I could say to God to rejoice than what I have in regards to you, to, to the joy that you have brought me. That in me trying to encourage you, you've brought so much encouragement to me that I don't even know what more I could say to thank God for, for that relationship. That is something I think sometimes that's, that's lacking. I think sometimes we think of, of relationships as a, uh, a duty, as a Christian duty, like, well, I gotta, you know, I gotta find someone I don't like or that drains me and pour into them. Um, and that's not at all what it is. And in, in fact, sometimes the relationships that you're least desirous to engage in are the ones that, that are going to actually bring you the encouragement. God's gonna encourage you as you go to encourage other people. God's gonna give you the strength and the wisdom to encourage people as you encourage them. And so the big question out of all of this is, like, how? How do we do that? Like, yeah, that's great. This is what a gospel relationship looks like. Um, the really simple answer is you just have to make the effort to do it. Get involved in the community group. Talk to someone on Sunday you haven't met before. And don't just say, hey, how's it going? I like your shoes. See you later. Like, spend a minute talking to them. Gospel relationships are long-suffering. Take some time to speak to people here. If you don't know someone... Take some time to talk to them. Get to know them. Find out about them. Find out what's going on with them. Ask them what you can pray about for them. And, pr and actually do it this week. Don't be like, I'll be praying for you. And then like next week, you don't remember even their name. Be intentional about it. Take some time to do it. We all are super busy. We're all to a point where we're exhausted, where we feel like we need our own kind of, you know, we, like we don't, I don't want to go help someone. I don't want to go counsel someone else. Like I need my own therapy right now. Yes, it's true. We do. I'm sure Paul was tired of getting chased out of cities and trying to be killed, but he still found time, even when he was in prison sometimes, to write letters to these churches to encourage them, to love them. So we need to remember that. We need to remember that gospel relationships are sacrificial. We need to encourage and exhort people and not point out their sin, not constantly just tell them every little thing they're doing wrong and correct every little part of their theology. You can do that but you can do that in a place where you've built a relationship where they know that your ultimate goal is to strengthen their faith and to encourage them. Gospel relationships are long-sighted. It means being along, be in it for the long haul. Um, it's kind of an Arizona culture to just kind of jump from church to church to church, and I'm definitely uh, uh, guilty of that as anyone in the past. You need to find a place where God's called you and dig in and and be long-sighted with those relationships. Be intentional about those relationships. And even if God moves you on, the relationships that you've built, don't abandon those. The church is far beyond a local church. The church is the entire body of Christ. For you moving, if you move to a different location, that doesn't change that. That doesn't make it uh, suddenly that now you don't have the right to be in a relationship with those people. Be intentional with that. Gospel relationships should yield affection. You should actually have some genuine affection for people if you don't tend to like people, you probably need to work on that with God a little bit too. Um, you need to spend some time saying like, God's off in my heart, I'm, I'm selfish and I don't want to do all these things and I don't really like people and 
I think people are annoying, and God's like, yeah, everyone thinks you're annoying too, probably. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Um, that. That it's like, great, yeah, you're, someone finds you just as annoying as you find them, and that's okay. Um, I'm sure I annoy plenty of you, and yet I, I hopefully you guys still uh, have some affection and some love for me. I, I love and care for you guys. And then you'll find that those relationships will encourage you in surprising ways. And that's what we see again, that, that Paul is surprised. He is like, I don't even know what else I could say to God to thank him for the relationship I have with you. And so definitely, gospel relationships are not easy. They're not something that's going to be simple. They're not something that uh, is just going to happen. You have to be intentional. You have to do things about it. But so how do we actually pursue those relationships? Well, for it to be a gospel-centered relationship, you have to start with the gospel. You have to start with Jesus. That's the only way that we're going to be able to build long-term, true, kind of honest and open relationships is if we remember our place and where Jesus is in that. We have to first experience grace from Jesus before we can learn to give grace to other people. Um, if you haven't come to faith in Jesus, but you feel like he's been drawing you towards him, before you can really feel like you can plug in to the life of the church and, and to the, the body of Christ, you have to actually become a member of that body of the Christ. If, if Jesus is calling you, if he's been, if you feel like, man, I'm, I, I think I kind of believe this stuff, I'm not totally sure, but I feel like I keep showing up every Sunday and God's drawn me, and I'm starting to find like things that I thought were okay to do weren't, like that God's convicting me of sin, like stop listening to me at this point, like start talking to Jesus. Um, that's him drawing you. He's, he's calling you to be part of the body of Christ, to be part of a body that actually has genuine, loving, strong relationships. He doesn't want you to be isolated and alone. He wants you to be a part of the body. But you need to first experience the grace that he has. You need to first experience a loving relationship from someone who actually is perfect. All of our relationships with each other are not going to be perfect because none of us are perfect. Jesus is the only one that lived a sinless life. He's the only one that died a death that he didn't deserve, that paid a penalty for sins that he didn't commit. And it's because of that, when you experience that grace, when you experience something that you completely don't deserve, there's nothing you can do in your relationship with Jesus to make Jesus want to have a relationship with you. It's only because he's chosen to have a relationship with you. When you get to that point and you experience that and you acknowledge that grace, that's the only time when you can realize, well, I've been given this great gift. So how could I have any other response but to extend grace to other people? And so when you are in relationships with people that annoy you, with people that maybe are constantly pursuing sin and you just want to shake them, that's when you can show that grace because that grace has been shown to you because we all consistently let Jesus down. We all consistently fall and trip up and make mistakes and sin against Jesus. And so if we keep that in mind that, Jesus continues to extend us grace, we can learn to extend grace to other people. And that's the only way that we can build, build long-term gospel-centered relationships. And so this series, it's called What Matters in the End. Um, that's, that's what matters. That's, Paul's talking about, okay, with the light of Jesus coming, we know Jesus is coming back. What matters? What's important? Building relationships is important. That's what lasts collecting accolades, collecting stuff doesn't matter. What matters is first and foremost, what is your relationship with Jesus? And second, what is your relationship with the body of Christ? That's what matters. Those are the things that are going to last. Those are the things that are going to continue on to, into eternity. 
the relationships that we have here with the body of Christ here will continue on into eternity. That's what matters in the end. That's what's important about this. And so my challenge to you this week, my challenge is just think of one person. Just start with one. You don't need to, to try to repair every relationship you have or pursue relationships that you don't think you've done a good job at. That will just be overwhelming. I, if I did that, I'd have a list that would fill, you know, I'd have to have a book as thick in my Bible to do that, to, to have the people I'm like, man, I didn't do a good job with that. Think of one person this week that you know God put in your life for a reason to pursue a relationship with, to, to have a relationship that is both uh, sanctifying and also uh, encouraging. And do something about it. Call them. Meet them for coffee. Spend time praying for them. Do something to turn your heart towards them, your affection towards them. So that's, that's what I hope to, to see us do this week. If it's someone that's in this room that you know that God's been trying to build a relationship with, do it today. Don't leave. That's easy. Once you get out those doors and tomorrow you wake up and your alarm goes off and you're in your cubicle, it's gone. Like, like that's all gone. You're going to forget all that. So if it's someone that's in this room that you know that, that, man, I haven't done a good job pursuing that relationship. I haven't done a good job of, of caring for them. I need to do something about that. Do it today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that we can use to see what in our life doesn't line up with what you want. Thank you for Jesus who gives us the opportunity to actually have relationship not only with you but with each other. The only reason that that we could even consider having true, honest, open relationships with each other is because we know that we've been given a grace from you that we don't deserve. Father, this week I pray that you use this this the scripture that we went over, this, these words of Paul that are inspired by you to soften our hearts towards people that maybe uh, we haven't cared about enough, that we haven't done enough to invest in, to disciple in. Help us to not simply just rely on your sovereignty and use that as an excuse for our own laziness. Help us to be obedient. Help us to be an engaged part of the body of Christ, not just something that sucks the life out of it and doesn't, doesn't interact. We thank you again so much just for the gift that you've given us in your grace and the gift that we have of the Holy Spirit that can convict us of our sin, that can remind us, that can prompt us to, to pursue relationships with people. In Jesus' name, amen.